Welcome to the Emotioneering Podcast with me, Melissa Curran, founder and CEO of the Modern Mind Group. We're dedicated to improving your people skills so that you can have better relationships with others for a much more fulfilling life or career. People skills are not just a nice to have, they're a have to have. So when it comes to organizations as well, this really does impact the workplace and the results that you'll get from that. We're going to be delving into topics such as emotional intelligence, communication, leadership, workplace well-being, mental health, culture, and performance. I'm going to be answering your questions on all of these topics and sharing some insights from my career to help you move forward and definitely emotioneer a modern mindset. Make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel or on the Facebook page as well as LinkedIn. We look forward to connecting with you there. In this episode, we will explore the topic of emotioneering training delivery and some top tips on how to wow the audience in your workshop. We're all about empowering education because learning must have meaning. So 74% of people, would you believe, actually want more development to reach their potential, although they do not want to be bored. One in three employees, that's 33% of your workforce, say that uninspiring content is a barrier to learning. Well, if we look at that as employees, it's actually everybody. 33% of people say that uninspiring content is a barrier to learning. That's a lot of people when you start to think about it. So if you're a business looking to actually get external help or looking at your own L&D department, learning and performance, training and development, then these points are really going to help you look for and get the very best for your people. Because ultimately, more empowering and enjoyable actually equals more effective. So therefore, there's going to be less money spent on retraining people to begin with. Check out these tips. Let's talk about the burden of knowledge. So when you're delivering training or you're doing a workshop, if you have a lot of knowledge on the subject, we can often forget that other people have zero understanding of what you're talking about or very minimal. So depending on the level of knowledge in the audience, the training has to be adapted to those individuals. If you can explain it very, very simply, then everyone should be able to understand. You have to think, if you, and if you don't know the level of the knowledge of the audience, try and think of it like this. If a 13-year-old was about to pop in to your workshop and listen for 15, 20 minutes, they should be able to understand. That's the same sort of theory if you were to give an article or a blog to a 13-year-old to be able to read. That's communication. That's helping people understand the message that you're actually sharing or sending out. So remember, we will have a lot of knowledge, but we then forget to share the knowledge because we know it. So don't get bitten by the burden of knowledge. <laughs> Check what you're saying and have some advice of someone else to see if that is actually what you're doing. I think if we look at the burden of knowledge from a tech perspective, often we can say, click here, do this, do that, go to the next part, 
without actually explaining why that would actually benefit someone. Which brings me on to my next point, but why it benefits somebody and why it's important are important to share even when you're doing technical training. Emotioneering is about looking at the emotions of others. It's about understanding that we're driven by emotion. So when we look at the audience and the people that are there, you have to ask yourself, what's in it for them? What's in it for them in terms of the content that they're learning? What does it mean to them? How does it impact them? What is the pain and what is the gain? Think about it. What are they actually getting out of the session with you, out of the workshop? I would hope that they were on the workshop through some type of ownership and that they wanted to be there. Often when we work with corporations or we work with organizations, that isn't always the case. Maybe 60% of them really want to be there. Some of them are a little bit curious about what's going on and some of them don't want to be there at all. And that can happen start to think about what's in it for them and it will start to change your mind about the way that you deliver the workshop. If you think about what's in it for them, depending on who they are as individuals, if you get some some opportunity to rebuild quick rapport with that person, then you may be able to capture their heart a little bit more while you're doing the training and get them a little bit more involved even the ones that don't want to be there. This is one of my favorite points, and it's been handed down to me by a a very inspiring gentleman that I know called Ken Stellan. If you have ever heard Ken speak, do a workshop, give a delivery, then you will know what I mean to be honored and inspired by his coaching. And I I had the opportunity to be coached by him. And one of the things that Ken said to me when I was about to do a TED style talk to our organization at the time, and I did it, read it to him. He was like, wow, this is what you want to say? I was like, yeah, this is what you want to do? I said, yeah. He said, you need to give it more cowbell. I was like, what on earth is he on about? I need to give it more cowbell. What? What is he? What is he talking about? A cowbell, as you know, is a dunk. It's an instrument that you can play. Google it. Google knows everything, remember? So you can have a look at that. But on the SNL program in America, Ken is American, uh, there was an opportunity for Will Ferrell to go on there. And at the time in this skit that Will Ferrell is in, they keep saying, give him more cowbell, give him more cowbell. Well, anyway. I obviously went after this coaching session to watch what he was talking about. And what he actually means is that ownership, that energy, that enthusiasm. If you are going to do something and you're going to do something different or you've had an idea about doing it or you're even just doing the workshop that you've done 50 times, give it more cowbell. Ken is the best thing that I've ever learned when it comes to public speaking. I hope I'm doing you proud on this. Uh, But still, it's it's one of the best things because like I said before, no one can really knock you for giving the effort and the enthusiasm. But if you only give it 80% or 90%, you're only going to get that result back from the audience or the workshop or the people that are there. So give it your all, (laughs) give it all your cowbell. 
Another great thing that you can do is to get the audience involved. This is not a one-way thing. It's not like this podcast, although anytime you want to throw me some feedback, comments, love you guys, thanks. It is not like this podcast. A workshop or a training workshop, again, is about helping, understanding, and meaning. So people want to ask questions. You can ask questions to them. How much are we facilitating something? Presenting is very different to facilitating. And if you're facilitating for learning, then the people really, really need to be involved. So have a look at the workshops that you've run recently. Have a look at some of them that maybe you've attended yourself. How much were you invited to talk? How much were you invited to think, to get involved, to write things down, to participate? Because that's what makes train and delivery magic is when you can make people involved because then it becomes part of the story because they become part of the process and it helps to put it into that long-term memory. When I think of storytelling, and it is a gift and a skill to be able to do it, I often think of American Pie and this one time at band camp. <laughs> I'm not sure whether you think it as well, but it's one of the funny things that happens in my mind whenever I think about talking about storytelling. But it stays with you, right? Or this, I remember back in the day when a story would come out. The thing is, we remember it, though, and it makes it memorable for us. So what I want to talk about now when it comes to public speaking and really talking in a training workshop is your storytelling. Storytelling is one of the areas of social proof. So if you can tell a great story that is relevant, no one wants to hear one that is not relevant, as long as it is relevant to what you're talking about, then it can bring meaning to it. People can relate to it, but you become relatable. So make sure that you share a story and practice telling that story, but it has to be your own. When we look at authenticity, it has to be your own story. And I talked about the cowbell. It was my story. It's, it's something that I shared with Ken. So make sure that you're looking at your stories and what you can share that's relevant. Remember, you do have interesting stories. You just have to take the time to think about how we link the dots with them for what we're training and what we're delivering. Another part of social proof, which, okay, let me take it back a second. Social proof, I talked about the burden of knowledge earlier, so let me talk about social proof. Social proof is where, well, they're doing it, so it must be great. It's when you look at a restaurant and there's people queuing outside in the rain and you think, why are they standing there? Must be a great restaurant. <laughs> That's social proof. So when we talk about statistics and when we talk about proof of concept, they are your, your facts, your stats, things that you can share to improve belief, to help people, again, connect the dots to the information that you're sharing with them and the workshop that you're giving them. So really think about that in terms of what facts and stats you've got in your arsenal of things to share. But again, make sure that they're relevant and that they really back up the point that you're trying to make. We talk about people getting bored in the training room. Well, if you can add a bit of fun, you can add a joke, I don't care, sing a line from a song, 
many people that have been to my workshops will see that sometimes I throw that in. But everybody, everybody, everybody loves a little bit of fun, a joke, as long as it's relevant and it goes with the tone of what you're talking about, it keeps it entertaining. People want to listen to people that they like. So enjoy yourself. Once you get past that point of being and you know, to the point that you're learning the knowledge, once you get past that point and you can actually deliver it and you know exactly what you're talking about when it comes to the slides, to the content, have fun because, well, we're only here once, right? <laughs> so make sure that it's memorable. Again, if it's memorable, it's going to go into that long-term memory and it's going to make an impact, not just for today, long-term. People will tell other people about the workshop or the training that they were on. Many people will talk to you about learning styles. Oh, mine's auditory. Oh, mine's kinesthetic. Oh, mine's very visual. And people will say what their preferred learning method is. But often our perception of what our preferred learning method is, isn't always right. We've kind of got this unconscious bias going on that that's what we think. I mean, I will tell anybody that I'm quite an auditory person. I'll remember what people say. But when it comes to looking at something, I really am actually quite a visual person. I do like the way things look, things are presented, where they're placed. So when it, but when it comes to learning, it has been proven that actually beyond the learning styles, so it doesn't really matter as long as all of them are covered, because again, it just adds to the blended learning style and the content that you're creating, okay, so you're creating this kind of cocktail of different elements within it that can help to keep the engagement of the people in your workshop, but also what you're doing is you're, you must create meaning. So it has been found that creating meaning above all else impacts what we learn, okay? It's why there's mnemonics, right? Richard of York gave battle in vain, the colors of the rainbow we remember these things because suddenly learning has meaning there was a study that was done and it was done on chess and when the first ai artificial intelligence chess sets came out they were saying that the computer would be able to beat these amazing chess masters so they put it to the test and okay they didn't always do it but the the computer was becoming much more successful at learning the patterns what they did in the experiment, though, they showed chess masters strategies and movements of a sequence and then asked them to predict the next moves. And they were able to do that successfully. They then switched it up and they asked them to look at randomized chess sets, the, the actual set of the board, and asked them to predict the next movements which they were less successful at doing. Although the computer could remember all the strategy. The reason for that is that when they weren't randomized, there was meaning behind it. So it had a metho me methodology. It was going to come to an outcome or a strategy, but when there was no meaning behind it and it was randomized, humans didn't do so great at remembering or thinking about the next move. So learning, without a doubt, absolutely must have meaning. The biggest top tip of all is about confidence and competency. If you come across nervous or not in control, 
then the audience are going to feel that and they're not going to relax. They're going to be on pins. They're not going to enjoy themselves. But remember, the only way to move to confidence is through practice, through repetition, through the art. And the art that comes with skill is about repeating the efforts. Okay, there's a great book by Angela Duckworth on grit. And achievement is all about that. It's, it's skill multiplied by effort equals achievement. So in order for you to become confident, you have to kind of go through the pain of the fear, moving into the courage, having the courage to step then into doing something new or trying the new workshop in order to build that confidence. That comes from practice. It comes from somebody helping you, the coach. And if you're nervous and you're not so great at public speaking or you need some support, then there's people that can help you. And another part to having confidence is eye contact. I'm recording this podcast, but if I did not look in the camera and I did not, and I was continuing to look here or to look at notes, it's not going to give competency and confidence and transfer that to the audience that I have. So it's vitally important that you have eye contact, but not eye boring eye contact with your audience because that becomes a little bit too intense as a counselor and a, a therapist you're also told that there's moments where you do need to look away where you do need to break the eye contact because it can become a little bit too intense so be mindful of that but again it all adds to that confidence and that exceptional emotioneered delivery of your training workshops so what I'd also suggest you do is think about how you want your people to feel after the training workshop that they've been on. How do you want them to feel? Because people won't always remember what you say. They will remember how you made them feel. That is the quick win. That is the impact. The, the start of culture change often starts in classroom training. And it's because of how it makes people feel. So using all of these tips that I've talked about on the podcast today will help you to help them have a great experience. It's about that blended style, that cocktail of techniques that are going to make your workshops wow people. Okay, that is what you want. I know that I want to help people feel empowered. So it's about empowering education. That's what I'm all about. And that's why I emotioneer it. It's really about how those people feel. And don't get so hung up, okay? As, as trainers or people that deliver workshops or consultants, we can often go back and a week later, we'll ask people what their thoughts are, what they remembered, or they'll start to ask us questions about certain things that we know we talked about in the topic in the workshop. Remember, people won't remember. So remember, people won't remember. Okay, <laughs> write that down. Remember, people won't remember. We only remember 50% of what we hear just after we have heard it. An hour later, it goes down to 25%. That is our listening capacity. 
okay? With meaning, it can improve so that we can remember if we're writing things down, we're making notes. But there has to be some follow-up from the training delivery or the workshop in order to help the implementation, the behavior change, and for it to go into the long-term memory. Old habits die hard. If you're trying to make a change, you're trying to help someone learn something new, it is going to take coaching, it's going to take implementation and strategy change. And that is where the magic is. Of course, it's amazing to go to an empowering workshop where you will learn and you'll remember things, but you won't remember everything. Uh, so give your audience a break as well, okay? They're not gonna remember everything you say, but they will remember how you made them feel. Thanks for listening to the Emotion Earring Podcast with me, Melissa Curran, today. It's been great. Remember to subscribe to Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, or all three. You can also come to the website, modernmindgroup.com, where you can subscribe there, stay in contact, and let us know what you really think. Give us the feedback. This is going to get better by knowing what you think. Uh, has this given you food for thought? Has it helped you change something? What has it inspired? Let us know because that's why we're doing it. It's all about the people, people, people. <laughs> Have a great day and ciao for now.